Welcome to a Millennial Preacher Podcast, where we have real conversations about church and faith. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for subscribing to the Millennial Preacher Podcast, where we're just reflecting and walking through Scripture together and encouraging one another. Hey, and I would really appreciate it if you listen to this podcast, if you would give me an honest review uh, it would really help get the word out about this podcast as as it continues to grow. So whatever platform you're listening on, you can uh, subscribe firstly. You can hit the five stars, or you can be honest. If you're like, he deserves two stars. I mean, I don't care. Be honest. Uh, and if you could write an honest review, I'd really appreciate that uh, and honor that you would even listen to this podcast. Uh, as a church where I serve at Liberty Christian Church, we have been walking through the book of Job. And man, it has been great to walk through this book during this insane season of quarantine. I mean, it is uh, unprecedented times is the most popular word that people like to say, and it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, this last Sunday, we had the first physical gathering, as in we had just a couple folks uh, join uh, the gathering. We had like six people in the audience, but man, everyone was masking up and social distancing. It was super fun uh, just to see people's faces, even though they had a mask on. But uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, the last episode, we walked through Job chapter one. So what we're going to do is continue to walk through the book of Job. We got some catch up work to do, but uh, hey, we're going to go, we're going to go through it. Um, and we're going to be in chapter two today. So let me catch you up. If you don't know, Job was a wealthy guy. He was like the Bill Gates of his era. This was in the patriarchal period. So um, I think around the time of Abraham-ish, we don't know for sure, but we do know is probably the oldest book of the Bible that we have. And interestingly enough, that we have a book of pain and suffering as the, one of the most well-known, but I read um, well-known Bible stories and oldest Bible stories. I read that Moses could be the author of Job. I mean, again, nobody knows for sure. Uh, and he could have heard the story when he was in Midian after he's fled for his life after he killed the Egyptian. So I, mean, I think that's a fairly valid theory for how uh, we got the book of Job. But if you're with us again, Job chapter 2. Here we go. It says, one day the members of the heavenly court, again, this is the second time, so if, if you listen to the last episode, if you have not encouraged you to do so, but uh, Satan comes and basically submits himself before God and is checking in, as we would assume he still does that, Satan still does that today. It says, one day the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. So the question we ask, we ask in Job chapter 2, uh, after Job has lost his family, lost his wealth, and really all of his, quote, American dream life is gone, the question we ask about Job is, did he fear God for no reason? Uh, that's basically Satan's question. Well, Job only follows you because his life is awesome. And sometimes that is a question for many Americans. Do you only say you believe in God because your life is going well. When you have a little bit of tribulation in your life, are you just going to completely abandon God and, and walk away? Something that I've been uh, reflecting on, it's, you know, we've been doing online church. It's June 29th, the day I'm recording this. We've been doing online church for almost four months. And at the beginning, there were uh, 
about five times as many viewers as we have now, which I think is just really a view on American culture. Because before, I mean, Americans are such consumerists, right? And at the beginning, we have thousands of views on our uh, live stream. And now it's like three to four hundred, and that's Facebook views, so who knows what they count for. But it's just interesting. When, when, when following Jesus doesn't, quote, excite people anymore, or they're not, quote, getting, or it's not new and interesting, people just tend to walk away, which is interesting. And the question is, do, do they follow Jesus? Did they follow Jesus in the first place? And the question is, I, I don't know. That's God's job, not ours. But it's just interesting. But the question is in Job, is did Job fear God for no reason? Did he only trust and follow God because his life was awesome? Satan would say, yes. So now in chapter two, Satan comes before God again and is going to say, well, let me take his health away. Then he will surely curse it to your face. Let's read on. It says, Satan answered the Lord. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that is going on. And also, this is similar to the verse in 1 Peter, where he says the devil goes around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour, which the book of Job would say that is the truth. And Satan still does that today. But again, I want you to encourage you. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. Uh, there is only one Satan by the grace of God. There's only one. Yeah, there's demons and we have that conversation. But as in for Satan himself, there is only one. So a lot of people say, Satan's attacking me. Uh, that might just be your own personal sin nature. Uh, it's probably not Satan. Satan's going after the big dogs, the heavy hitters. Uh, there's only one of him. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He does not see all and or know all. Uh, so take encouragement with that. But the Lord asked Satan, I have noticed, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all of the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. Man, this is a big one right here. Without cause. The Hebrew word is hinnom. And the question is, do you have these types of trials in your life? It's not really a question. It's a fact. You do. We all have these, quote, henum trials, the ones that we don't deserve. And as we reflect, there are definitely consequences that we have that are our own fault. And we will continue to reflect on this. For instance, if you are an alcoholic and you get liver cancer, that's on you. That's really something that you deserve because it's from decisions that you have made. If you get an STD, and you're having sex outside of the, the biblical view of marriage, sleeping around with men or women, well, that is on you. If you have a heart attack and you weigh 500 pounds, well, that is uh, your response, your fault. But what about these trials? And this is really one of the questions of Job. What about these trials that happen to people who don't deserve them? God himself says Job is blameless. It doesn't say that Job is pure, right? Meaning that he's still affected by the fall of man. He's still affected by sin, and he understands this theology, and he'll have that conversation with some of his buddies. But he's not pure, he, but God does say he's blameless. So the, the suffering that God allows in Job's life is not for a specific sin. It's not because, like in David, uh, King David lost his child in a consequence for his sin. That's not what we see here in Job. It says, you, God says, you urged me to harm him without cause. And the thing is, God did not do this to Job, but he allowed it to happen. 
You see, Job was the wealthiest man in his area. And, and if you read through Job chapter 1, it says these raiders, these foreigners come and they, they steal all of his, and his, his uh, wealth and they burn his home down and all this type of stuff. Well, you see, it says God had his hedge of protection around Job. So what God did, he didn't cause it to happen, but he simply removed his hedge of protection around Job to let all of this evil and suffering happen in Job's life. And God says, you urged me to uh, harm him without cause. And Job will have this question like, why in the world did this happen to me? And he will understand in the end, but when we're in the midst of the trial and the suffering, the question we ask is why, 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 why? Why do we have these Hinnom trials, these things that happen to us for no reason? And I mean, it's brutal. What about the people who are raped? It's not their fault. Why do they, why do they go through that? What about those who you're walking down the street and you step on a nail? Is that your fault? It was, it was complete. Did you deserve that? Now, I understand the theology that we're all affected by sin. It's true. But sometimes we have suffering in our life that happen without cause. And the question we ask is why? And we really question God's goodness. And when uh, God is silent as he is for the majority of the book of Job, our, our minds go to very interesting and dark places. We start questioning the goodness of God. We start questioning, is God listening? Or, or the scariest thing is we not only question if he's listening, but maybe we question that he is listening and he just doesn't care. We think, God, do you even care about me? Do you, like, are you, are you listening? How come you answer this person's prayer? How come their life is so awesome? With social media, I mean, it's just brutal. We see everybody's perfect life. Nobody talks about real life on social media. Nobody wants to see that. You say, why? Why why are you allowing me to walk through this? So here we go. Let's pick it back up in Job chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan is basically saying, Let, let's kick Job while he's down, right? He's lost everything, lost his home. Just, just push him over the edge and he's going to snap and he will sh- surely curse you to your face. And I don't know about you, but during quarantine, and granted we're in like, uh, at the time I'm recording this, we're in phase two, which means we can, and I live in one of the counties in Oregon where masks are required in, in any public place, including church. But there are times and days during quarantine where I'm extremely optimistic. We're going to make it through. And there's other days when I just want to stay in my bed all day long, not do anything, half depressed and just like, what? And like, what is happening? When is this all going to be over? I don't understand. And we almost mentally snap and it kind of has a back and forth. And Job has this um, type of uh, back and forth with God uh, throughout the, the whole book. But Satan says, well, take away his wealth, take away his health, and then he will surely curse you to your face. And this really spits a problem into the what we call the, the health and the wealth gospel. And I don't know if you've heard that lie. If you have your health, you have everything. Like, that's not true. What, what does that mean for people with uh, uh, cancer? What does that mean to people who struggle with, with pain on a daily basis? Can they not have the fulfillment of God because they don't have their, their health? If you're diagnosed with a disease or cancer, does that mean that you now uh, can experience the goodness of life and the goodness of God? 
That's insanity. Oh, if you have your health and wealth, you have everything. If you have your health, you have everything. That's, that's not true. In fact, it seems as if God uses the, the, the brokenness in people for his glory. It, it, you look through all of Scripture, God always uses broken people. Typically, mean, he, God uses whoever he wants. That's really what it comes down to. Sometimes he uses wealthy people. Sometimes uses, most of the time he uses poor people who are beat up on the side of the road. And he comes and he redeems them. He uses sinners. I mean, he uses whoever the heck he wants. And that's really one of the aspects of scripture is God does what he wants. And we say, well, what about this? I'm like, who are we to say anything? That's kind of one of the themes in Job. What, are, what, what right do we have? Do we understand everything about the world? No. But God exists outside of space and time. Do we? No. We think on a one-dimensional level, but God exists outside of space and time. He understands everything. What right do we have to, to, to judge the plan that he has? More so, we should submit to the will that he has for our lives, no matter what pain or suffering comes. As hard as that is to say and to live out, it is the truth. It is the truth. So here we go. Satan says, let's take away his health. And you read through that, you're like, God, why, didn't the, why did you bring up Job's name again? You should just left him alone. But, but he says, hey, uh, God, well, let's take away his health. God says, well, like, look at Job. He, he didn't deny me. As you said, he was going to Satan. Check it out. And Satan says, well, that's because, I mean, it's just... You think like, God, why did you even bring it up? And and mind you, Job does not see any of this conversation happening. Job is literally existing. Uh, he's living his life and poof, boom, this happens and all is wealth and now his health will be taken away. In verse six, it says, all right, God says, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. The Hebrew word here is shamar, which is interesting because it means keep watch. So now Satan has the responsibility to keep watch over Job's life. God allows Satan, and this is encouraging because this is true in your life. God allows Satan only as far as he will permit and not one step further. Now, I don't understand the whole big picture, but this is what scripture says. A lot of people say, well, Stephen, what do you think about that? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter what I think. The, the question should be, what do you think? What does scripture say? about this. We always want to point people to the Bible. Uh, we're allowed to have our opinions on things, but when it comes down to it, uh, it's what's in the, the Bible that counts, right? So verse seven, Satan left the Lord's presence. He struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. And then after this verse, we never hear of Satan again for the rest of the book. Uh, he's in the first two and a half chapters and we never see him Again, and Job is struck with this terrible sickness. And then over the book of Job, you see some of the symptoms, these boils, uh, bad breath. Uh, I mean, it's just brutal. So you imagine this guy who is Jeff Bezos, respected man. People were like, ooh, you know, they valued his input. To all of a sudden, it's literally, you can, humility finds us, right? Job is on a pile of ashes, probably in his former home. Uh, he's a wreck. He's weeping. He lost his health. He's got these nasty boils. And in verse 8, it says, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Brutal. I mean, I don't know if you can get more of a disturbing image in your mind of someone uh, with these nasty boils scraping their skin with a shard of pottery. And if you just rewind a couple chapters to the beginning of chapter 1, 
you'll see that Job, this incredible, uh, respected, wealthy man with his health and a family, life's going great, to all of a sudden, here we are. No family. His wife's still alive, and we're just about to get to that. But no kids. He lost them all. I can't imagine losing one kid. I mean, you'd just be literally a wreck. How do you even survive through that? Lost his health. And at this point, I'm pretty sure he's thinking, I'm going to die. I mean, this is, this is it. I, I don't know. I'm innocent, you know? That's Job's whole deal throughout the book. He says, I'm innocent. I, I want my, my case to be heard before God. Whoa, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. So verse 9. It says his wife said to him, so Job's wife's still alive. She said, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, I think personally, Job's wife gets a really bad rep. Some theologians call her like an assistant to Satan, basically. But I mean, let's let's have some compassion and some grace. Uh, she lost everything just like Job did. She lost her kids, and, and she did the most work to get those kids into this world because we know dudes don't do much work to get the kiddos into the world, okay? Well, I mean, we don't have to go have that conversation right now, but you know what I'm saying, okay? So, so she lost everything. She lost her home. She lost her family. So basically she's saying, Job, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, let's just finish this. I, I, I don't know how my life could get any worse than it is right now. Curse God and die, and let's just be done. Let's just be done. But Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said, nothing wrong. Man, that's a powerful verse, isn't it? Should we only accept the good things from God and never anything bad? And sometimes I think we view God as a genie. He's just like, oh, we want this, and we want this, and we want this, and we want this. But when any type of suffering, you're like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Why? That's not cool. Like, this doesn't benefit me. But the reality is, is not our pain and suffering a blessing in a really weird way? And I don't know about you, but I've never felt closer to God than when I go through immense suffering because it gives us no other option but to run to him. And really, that's how we experience true and utter humility. And one of my favorite quotes is, I'm not very humble and humility finds me. And we reflect on a couple of verses. James chapter four in the New Testament says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. First Peter chapter five says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Matthew 23, Jesus says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Second Chronicles in the OT chapter seven says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Job found some immense humility. And the more I reflect on Job, and typically when people think of the book of Job, they're like, oh, Job is about uh, pain and suffering, which in a way, yes, it reflects on pain and suffering. But I, I believe that the book of Job has such a key theme of humility because that is what Job finds in the end. Humility. So I just want to say thank you, you guys, for, for listening to the Millennial Preacher Podcast today. 
I hope this word encourages you. I hope you're surviving through quarantine. Uh, if you'd like to reach out, you can find me on uh, on our church website, libertychurchsalem.com. My email is on there. Follow us on Facebook at Liberty Church Salem. I also have a Millennial Preacher page. You can follow that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Stephen Anderson, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, the biblical way of spelling Anderson is A-N-D-R-S-E-N. Would love to hear from you guys. And again, if you guys could uh, rate and write a, an honest review, would really appreciate that. It just means so much to me that you guys would listen and be a part of this podcast. Blessings on the rest of your day, and I'll talk to you on the next one.